How's everybody doing this evening? Are y'all all full of food and had a good time and, and everybody just had a ball? Awesome, awesome. Well, we praise God that each and every one of you are here. We praise God for a beautiful day. And I tell you, how many of you believe in the power of God? Amen. Come on now, that was weak. How many of you believe in the power of God? Now we're talking a little bit. Well, I tell you, I think, think Pastor John Smith, he's uh, that dude's like a water bug. He's all over the place. I thank him so much for the opportunity of, of getting us up here uh, for the weekend, and he has been incredible to work with, and um, we just appreciate each and every one of you coming out this afternoon, and uh, I'm very blessed to have my precious wife sitting up here on the corner. You want to wave at him, sweetheart? <laughs> Bless her heart. She, she gave y'all the pageant wave, the, 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 the twist in the arm wave. <laughs> she, uh, she, she gave me the cutest grin right now. She's, y'all, well, y'all keep her in your prayers. She's, um, she's had a gluten food allergy for quite a while, and uh, we'd kind of gotten to the bottom of that and was able to treat it and do it well. And about the last two weeks, off and on, it seemed like everything she eats just does not agree. And uh, so we're, we're about to go back to the drawing board, and uh, she is on some medication. But we know, we know who we serve. We, we serve a living Savior. We serve the man that is above all men. The king is above all kings, and I know that, that my sweetheart will be healed. And uh, we, we know that it's in God's time, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. Uh, if you have your uh, Bibles with you this evening, uh, I would love for you to join me in Exodus chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 4. Are y'all able to put it up on the screen by chance? Yes? Okay. Oh, Exodus chapter 4. Uh, we'll start... I'll tell you what, let's go to 4, verse, uh, verse 1. That'll help everybody out to be able to look at it a little bit. We'll wait while our brother over here gets it pulled up. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Leave it up to me to throw something on you at the last minute. There we go. I'm not sure what, uh, is this the, you know what, what version? King James. King James, okay, yes. Okay, y'all will be reading from the King James. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. So there might be a little bit of difference there, but, but you'll get the point. Exodus chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that? Get my page turned here. Do it the old-fashioned way. <clears throat> what is that in your hand, he said. And Moses said, a staff. He said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. Hello, how many of us not going to run from a snake? But the Lord said to Moses, and I love this part. Listen to this. Put your hand, put out your hand, catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. Then when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. 
Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. You say, Brother Clay, where are you going with this? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand today that what might appear to us as adversity, what might appear to us as an obstacle, the power of God can take any of that and he will make us victorious over whatever we face in life. You know, a lot of times we in life, we get nervous, we get scared. A lot of times God will even call us to out of our comfort zone. You see, if there's one thing I figured out amongst many in serving Christ for over 25 years now is that as a man or as a woman, the only way that you grow is that you get stretched out of your comfort zone. You know, in life, when we stay still, and even as, as Christians, you're only going one of two directions. You're only going backward or you're going forward. And I pray that you're not going backward. I pray you're going forward. But a lot of people want to say, well, I, I can't do this because of this. I can't do that because of that. As I was telling them this morning, for those of you who might, who might not have been here this morning, you know, a lot of us look at, look at, we look at more of an excuse of why we can't do something or why we don't want to do something. When God has called us to do it, then we, do, then we look for a reason of why, how we can make it happen. You know, when God calls us something, he calls us for a purpose because he makes everybody extraordinary. See, he took the ordinary people in the Bible and made them do extraordinary things. And you can only do that through the power of God. You see, if you notice in this, in this, verse, this passage of Scripture, in Exodus chapter 4, I love this part right here. In verse 4, But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the what? By the tail. Now, while that was a faith test to Moses, because Moses was one of the biggest doubters in all the Bible, and while Moses doubted, and he didn't believe that, that people would believe him when he was talking about God, God was trying to show him, if you will listen to me, and you will do this as I say, you know, God is smart enough, he's not going to tell you to grab that snake by the head on the venomous snake. He told him to grab it by the tail. He kept him from danger, but yet he wanted to, he wanted to show a sign of his power working. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when I was born into this world back in 1978, you know, my mom and my dad were, when my mom was in labor and my dad was with her, I, of course, I don't remember this because obviously I wasn't in the world yet. But dad said that the doctor came in and told him, he said, you might want to be with your wife in labor and delivery, which he was going to be anyway. He said, you might want to be, or be with her because something, clay is going to be different. And my dad said he looked at the doctor and he was like, okay, what do you mean different? Well, when I came into this world, for any of y'all that saw the ESPN piece that was done on me about 20 years ago, Chris Conley, who won an Emmy Award for that piece, asked my dad, he said, what was birth like for you when Clay was born? And dad teared up, he got emotional, he looked at the camera, and he said, disappointing. Well, when he said disappointing, a lot of people that see that well, how could he say it was disappointing? And what dad went on to say was he was disappointed because at that time he didn't know what life would be like for me. Being born what the world calls disabled or handicapped. I would travel all over this country. In so many places, people in the culture we live in today, the culture is so quick to look at someone like me or anybody in a wheelchair and say they're disabled or they're handicapped. 
That's what this world we live in teaches today. It teaches downtrodden spirits. The world we live in teaches defeat. It teaches you that where pleasures in life in this world lie is in alcohol, drugs, pills, pornography, you name it. The list goes on and on. But you see, God, when he created me, just like when he created you, he created each and every one of us to go out and make a difference in this world. When I got to be about four years old and I was looking around and I could see that I was different, you see, ladies and gentlemen, I could have laid down, balled up in a fetal position, made every excuse in the world, been angry and mad at God and said, God, why didn't you make me a six foot three, 235 pound linebacker that plays for the Crimson Tide or a hunk of burning love? That's from Clay, verse, Clay chapter one, verse one, brother. But I could have gotten angry or mad at God and said, God, why didn't you make me that? Now, my wife says I have long, sexy legs. As long as she thinks so, I don't care what another woman thinks. <laughs> but guys, here's the thing. What we all have to realize in this world is things that might be too big, too great, or too much for us to overcome as humans, through the power of God, we can overcome anything. I could have, got, I could have given up. I could have made excuses. I could have cried, whined, and complained and said, poor pitiful me, God, why didn't you give me these things? But guys, I'll be honest with you. I can do more than three-fourths of you under this building right here because I've got the heart, I've got the drive, I've got the want to, and I'm like that Tim McGraw country song, how bad do you want it? That's the way I look at it. How bad do you need it? Do you eat it, sleep, eat it, sleep it, breathe it? Is it the only thing on your mind? You see, guys and ladies, I tried to take what a lot of people would look as a setback in life I tried to take what a lot of people call a handicap in life, what they call a disability in life, and I try to live my life by Philippians 4.13 for one, which says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Psalm 62 says, God is my rock. With him I will not be shaken. When I think about the power of God, I cannot help think back about when Jesus was on the cross and even before he went to the cross, when he was beaten, when he was battered, when he was whipped with a cat of 39 tails, which, by the way, covers all branches of whatever disease that, you, that, that may be existent in the world we live in today. What we have to understand is, when we're going through life, and let's say we run into one of these roadblocks, God never promised us life would be easy. But what God did promise us, he would never leave us or forsake us. Yesterday and this morning also, me and my wife, we had, we've had a few people come to us Tell us that they were suffering from cancer. Well, let me tell you something. That's a nasty thing. Yes, I know. And I'm not taking anything away from it. But ladies and gentlemen, what we have to get to a point in our walk in life, in our walk with Jesus Christ, in understanding, is even when something as ugly and nasty as cancer may come into our life, what we've got to understand is we have to trust Jesus through it all. That even though we may not understand why we've got it, we may not understand why we're going through that season. When we keep our focus on him, we keep our faith in him, and we walk with him step by step, he will guide us through whatever adversity we face. His healing power can live inside of us. Whether he, whether he sees fit to heal us on this earth or whether he sees fit to heal us at home, I'm going to tell you all testimony real quick on cancer. A dear friend of mine that I went to high school with at Hamilton High School, I was a freshman, she was a senior. We grew up in the same youth group at church. 
Her mother was one of the most God-loving women I have ever seen in my life outside of my wife, my grandmother, and some other ladies that I know. This lady, Miss May, was one of the most devoted Bible school teachers. I mean, everything in the church she could do as a woman, she was there with her bells on, ready to be a servant for Christ. She gets diagnosed with stage four cancer. She comes home and tells her, tells her daughter, tells her husband, and her daughter looks at her and she says, Mom, she says, I'm scared to death. How, can you, how are you not? She looked at her and she said, Dia, she said, God is in control. God has got me. She said, I firmly believe, and this was like two days after her diagnosis. She says, I firmly believe that God allowed me to have this cancer because I'm supposed to witness to somebody at the cancer center. Tell me what kind of testimony that is. Tell me. She goes to the cancer center, gets her scans done. She goes home. About two weeks later, she goes back to get her first treatment. When she walks through the door the day to get her first treatment, she sits down and gets the witness to a lady in the waiting room, prays with that lady, wins her over to the Lord, then goes back in the, in the, in the, where they had the treatment area and gets ready to get her port installed and all this stuff. About that time, the doctor walks in. He has her chart open. He sits there a minute and he just stops. And he looks. He looks at her chart and he looks at her. He said, Miss May, why are you here? And she said, I'm here to receive my cancer treatment. He said, Miss May, I've got your scans. He said, I've got your scans from a month ago. I got your scans from two weeks ago. He says, ma'am, says, I don't know how to explain this, but you ain't got any cancer. She looked up at him and she said, I know how to explain it. She said, that's the God I serve. Can I get a hand clap of praise tonight? Ladies and gentlemen, we have got to get to a point in our life that we are so on fire with Jesus that we create something. We create a smoke. We create a holy fire that we create where people look and say, you know what? There's something going on right there. I believe this brother of mine right here, I know he is pouring his heart and soul in the Cross Mountain Fellowship. And I believe that God is at work big time in this community. And I pray for this church, brother, and I can see your passion, in your heart going in that direction. I pray that, that, that you guys would all, that we would all get on fire because let me tell you something, guys, ladies. The world we live in right now is pure hell breaking loose around us. It is in the Bible. It is biblical. We're in the end days. It ain't time to put our foot on the brake and say, whoa, whoa, I don't know what's going on here. It's time to slam the gas pedal to the floorboard, slam it through the floorboard, put our foot on the accelerator, and pull our big boy britches and big girl britches up and say, you know what, God? I know what you did for me. I'm going to work for you. I know what Jesus Christ did for me. I know the beating it took for me. I know, I know that he died on the cross, and I believe he shed his blood, and it's time that I go to work for him to help win people to him. It's time that we turn out and be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or it's time we're like Daniel. And it's time that we, we worship so loud and proud. Hey, if they throw us in a fiery pit, 
So what? I'd love somebody to throw me in a fiery pit because I've got somebody's attention. Hello. I'd love somebody to throw me in a den of lions. I know who's with me. I'm not worried. I know God is with me. You know, I can make every excuse in the book, but I know who's with me. And I know who will protect me. And I know who will deliver me. And I know who will keep me safe and keep his blood hedge of protection around me. So you know what? I'm going to go till I take my last breath on this earth. And I'm going to try to tell as many people as I can come into contact with who saved me and his name is Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, whatever you might be facing this evening, I don't know what it might be, whether it's some kind of sickness. Maybe you're facing addiction. Maybe you're fighting to get over that addiction. I want you to know here in just a moment, these altars are open. And I want you to know it'd be our honor to pray with you before we leave to head back to Tennessee tonight. Because we know who is the King of Kings, who is the Lord of Lords, who is the deliverer of all deliverers, and who no matter what your situation is, he can bring you out. He can bring you out of the bondage. He can bring you out of the addiction. And he will bring you to victory. Are you ready for this as we close? My brother over here will know what I'm talking about. And most of you can, can find along with me. I was going to bring my boat today to be able to have this display. But we got one back here. I don't know whose it is. But God bless y'all for bringing them. I was going to bring mine today for a purpose. I'm right in the middle of trying to get ready for our last tournament week after next in Florida. I've already been working on equipment because of our travel schedule. We're all over the place. But ladies and gentlemen, understand something. Just like on this, on this Ranger, on this, this, this aluminum boat over here, there's equipment on there. On my boat, I've got four 12-inch Humminbird electronic graphs that, that my GPS, my mapping, my sonar, I'll just be real with you guys. I can count blades of grass in however deep of water on my sonar. I can about look on there and tell you what, you know, like if, if I'm looking, I can tell you about if it's bass. I can tell you about how big they are. Not exactly, but close. I've got all this equipment on my boat. What does it take to run that equipment? Power. All right. When you go lift open the box in the back, the battery box, you can't see it with your naked eye out above it. But under my battery lid, I got, I've got back there, I've got four big old lithium batteries. Maybe i got enough power in my, in my skeeter to light up Manchester, Kentucky. Okay? I've got all this power back there. I've got a power charge system that's called a power pole charge system. And I can actually designate and tell it which batteries to charge while I'm running down the river. Or when I plug it into the wall at home at night, it charges all the batteries at one time. That's cool, right? But... Listen, here's the thing. I've got all this equipment. I've got the best of electronics that money can buy. The best of any kind of equipment on my boat money can buy. I've got the best lithium batteries money can buy. The best charger to get them so hot to have them at max capacity. But you know what? When I get in that boat and I get ready to go out there and I'm practicing for a tournament or I'm competing, it don't matter what, regardless of what I have on top of the boat. Thousands and thousands of dollars of equipment. You know what? If I don't hit a little switch that's called, on my dash, it's called P-O-W-E-R, power. If I don't press that button, nothing works. If I press that button, that big beast comes to life. She's lit up, everything is working, and everything is going. 
Here's my question to you. Is your power switch turned on today? Is your power switch on? Are you allowing the power of God to work in your life and through your life? Are you allowing the power of God to help you every day? Or are you trying to do it on your own? Because I can tell you right now, you're looking at living proof that was raised in church, that was there every time the doors were open, and I ran from God for 17 years, ladies and gentlemen. I was in church. I knew the values of prayer. I knew the values of the Bible. But yet, because I wasn't a Christian, because I didn't have a true relationship with Jesus Christ, if I would have taken my last breath in, I would have busted the gates of hell wide open. And one Friday morning, I woke up when I was going to youth revival on Friday night. I woke up and I had the symptoms of a heart attack victim. Now what you see, this is the way I was born. I played sports all through school. Played baseball, played football, played basketball. Had to do the same workouts as the other team did. Used to, I was a chisel, looked like you'd chisel me out of stone. Now I'm happily married, praise God. <laughs> I've got a wife that makes a chocolate cobbler that'll make a Baptist speak in tongues, let me tell you. <laughs> I've lost about eight pounds. I'm working on about 15 more of it because I want to get back to where I was at. But ladies and gentlemen, I was in the best physical shape of my life the morning I woke up with a heart attack symptom. And I remember saying to myself, God, I'm 18 years old. Why do I feel this way? And you see, ladies and gentlemen, it took, I was a strong-willed, hard-headed, typical man. And sometimes, to get our attention, God has to allow us to hit rock bottom before we'll look up. And that's exactly where I was at. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom so hard that we have no way to look but up to make us look up. And that evening, all I kept saying was, God, I have screwed it all up. Will you please forgive me? That's all I kept saying over and over all day. I didn't tell anybody I had the heart attack symptoms. And in my right ear was the rough, gruffly voice of Satan himself. And this is what he was saying to me. Suck it up and be a man. My left ear, which is the ear closest to the human heart, by a mighty amount, the Holy Spirit was speaking through my ear. It was the most powerful, peaceful, loving voice. And this is what he was saying to me. He wasn't telling me to suck it up and be a man. He was telling me, come to me, son, I'll make you a man. And you see, the way you receive the power of God is through a relationship with him and Jesus Christ. God can only bless what God is in. But he can give you the greatest blessings of your life. He can make you overcome the greatest adversities. You got to trust him and you got to believe in him. And you're looking at living proof what can happen when you do just that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around except for myself. If you've never prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart as your Lord and Savior, we're about to give you that opportunity right now. I'm going to pray out loud the sinner's prayer. And if you would, corporately, if you have never prayed and asked Christ to your, into your heart, pray this to yourself, what I'm going to pray out loud. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. 
Lord Jesus, I believe that you shed your blood for my sins. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and cleanse me of all my sins so that I can have that relationship here on earth with you and a home in heaven for eternity. With every head still bowed and every eye still closed, if you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart, right where you are, I just want you to simply raise your hand so I can see you. One, two. Would it be anybody else? We don't want to leave anybody out. We have two hands so far. Anybody else? Three, four. There's time. We're not in any rush. We don't want to leave anybody out. Anyone else? You just prayed and you just asked Jesus to come into your heart. If that's what you prayed, you simply raise your hand so I can see you. I see that if you've already raised your hand, don't worry about raising it again. I see that new hand. Thank you, young man. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and praise you for the souls that have just prayed and trusted you to be their Lord and Savior. Father, we praise you that your souls of the devil's hell will never receive. And Father, I pray right now that you will bless each and every soul with your love, your strength, your power, your grace. Father, I pray that you bless them with wisdom, with courage, and with boldness. Father, I pray that they would want to go tell somebody that, hey, I just received Jesus. And Father, we love you and we thank you. And Father, I pray that you manifest your presence that it rained down on these new ch children of Christ. Father, it would rain down to a point that they say, God, that has to be you. Because man could not do that. And Father, we're going to be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for what you've already done and for what you're going to do. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.